You're listening to Sobriety with Ari Eastman. Hey, that's me. Well, hello, 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 and welcome back to Sobriety, a podcast where we are talking about addiction, recovery, being a human being, and all the bumps and accidents along the way. I'm your host, Ari Eastman. I took a break last week, but I'm back. And I missed you. I missed you all so much, my little teapots. Uh, I am so sorry that I abandoned you, uh, but I'm here. We're here. And thank you for, for tuning in. I am so fucking tired lately. I am fatigued. I mean, I say that. I say that every single week. I say that every single day. I have been chronically fatigued since I popped out of the womb in 1992. I'm, sometimes I'm like, what am I going to be like when I'm an old lady? Because I have been tired since I was like nine years old. So I'm not really looking forward to uh, what I'm going to be like as an elderly woman because I already feel like one. Uh, I don't know. It's just there's just something about springtime. I talked in, a, in an episode a couple weeks back about how much I hate this season. I just do. I don't even have really a reason to. I don't have allergies. There's no true discernible reason I can point to as to why I dislike spring so much, but I just do. I'm tired. I'm feeling grumpy. I just want to hibernate until October, but I can't because I'm here. But at least that means I am here with all of you and we're here together. So one of the most common questions I hear from people uh, and, and a question I used to ask myself all the time is, how do you know you should stop drinking? My first instinct is if you're thinking about it a lot, that might be a sign it's time to do some re-examining, but it's complicated, right? It's not black and white. That is the biggest thing I have learned about addiction and people. There is nuance to all of it. It's not always the blacked out guy who's just outside of 7-Eleven at 12 p.m. on a Tuesday. That's what I, I mean, that is what I used to think addiction was. And as a child, and especially the way we've seen it sometimes portrayed in pop culture and even celebrities, when we see celebrities that are like on benders, we're like, oh, well, that's what it looks like when you're an alcoholic or that's what it looks like when you're a drug addict. And it's so much more than that. It's so much more complicated. You know, I thought you had to be, I thought in order to be addicted to something that had to be so clearly visible to everybody else. According to the National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism, in 2019, 14.5 million people ages 12 and older had alcohol use disorder in the United States. 14.5 million people. So of course, no, all of those people are not going to have the same story or even present alcoholism in the same way. Also, we live in a society that definitely glamorizes and normalizes binge drinking. I mean, that's what college environments are expected to be like. But now, oh, now it's suddenly someone's fault when they can't snap out of it. It's like, you know, if they've been told the normal and fun thing to do when you're young is drink and party and having a hangover is like, oh, relatable. And oh, my God, we live for the nights. We'll never remember. You have this substance that is designed to get you chemically addicted to it. Flash forward, this person is out of college, but still drinking excessively and struggling to balance it all. And now they're the problem, like they're the weirdo. No, I almost feel like people People who decide to get sober are looked at as even weirder than people who are just just socially binge drink for the rest of their lives. I think that that is a societal issue, a societal failing. And I say this and I genuinely, truly, 100% mean this. I don't care if people get drunk. I have never put parameters on my friends or my roommates or family members that they can't consume alcohol around me. In my own personal recovery, I am comfortable being around it. 
But that's my singular experience. So when I say I don't judge someone for drinking, I really mean it. Because also, who am I to judge someone for drinking? You know what I mean? Like, because there are plenty of people who can have a healthy relationship with it. It's the same people who can say, oh, I'm only going to watch one episode of this TV show tonight. I am unfortunately not that person. I want to consume the entire series. I want to consume the entire bottle. These things are designed to get you hooked. And then we feel like shitty people for not being able to practice moderation. All the time, I felt like I'm just some weak piece of shit that has no self-control. It's something wrong with me. And really, I mean, I think it, I want to do an episode all on self-control because that's such a loaded phrase. I don't have enough energy to get get into self-control in this episode. You know, some of the things for me that made me question my drinking. So I basically only drink wine, which is interesting because there is this like weird reasoning, this weird logic that a lot of times people will use where people are like, well, I only drink wine. I don't drink hard liquor, so I can't be an alcoholic. And I definitely would fall into that sometimes. It's like, oh no, I just have like a glass of wine. It's like, well, is it a glass or is it like a bottle? (sighs) Yeah, I just have, I have wine with dinner. It's like, no, I was having wine for dinner. That's a little bit of an issue. One thing I started doing is I would go to different grocery stores because I started to have this paranoia that cashiers would recognize me and judge me and be like, hmm, didn't that girl just buy two bottles yesterday? Yeah, you you ever do that? <laughs> you ever literally decide to drive to a grocery store that's 15 minutes away from you to keep the cashiers on their toes to make it seem like you're consuming wine at a reasonable pace? Yeah, that was a red flag. I would also get drunk and Google things as one does when they're questioning. I feel like I started getting a lot of Google ads for rehabs because I was literally searching things like, how do I know if I drink too much? Spoiler alert, if you are Googling those things, you are probably drinking too much. One time I sort of opened up to a former friend. I'm sure I was tipsy at the time. And I said, you know, I think I'm an alcoholic. She drank way, 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 way more than me, but she always seemed to handle it better. She never appeared to be drunk, whereas I felt like once I passed that three-drink threshold, I would just turn into someone else. And I remember telling her, she kind of laughed and said, oh no, I know alcoholics. You are not an alcoholic. And even though obviously I knew something bad was happening to me, the addicted part of my brain was like, oh good, thank God, this is totally normal. We can keep drinking. By the way, If someone opens up to you about something like that or, you know, any sort of thing that's hurting them, a secretive thing, they're like, you know, confiding in you, please don't dismiss what they're saying to you, even if you don't really see it. I was clearly tiptoeing into asking for help and I got shut down. And in retrospect, I think because she did drink more than me, maybe she was feeling judged. And I think how people respond to you when you tell them something like you're sober or you talk about substances, it, it does tend to tell you a lot about how they're feeling about themselves. You know, sometimes we we do that when we're struggling, we project onto others. So I would say don't do that. <laughs> Try your best. I mean, we're all human. We all do it sometimes, but do your best. I had a boyfriend say to me, he didn't like who I was when I got drunk. And my mom also said something similar. I was defensive, you know, of course, but that was another huge wake up for me. I thought alcohol was making me more comfortable and that it was blurring my social anxiety and allowing me to be more fun. But no, it was really just like blurring everything. It was blurring my personality and who I was at the core. My mom was like, you become kind of mean and you're not a mean person. That was huge. I didn't want that. I didn't. I hated hearing that. It's interesting because I was in such a bad depressive space when I started really abusing alcohol. And so sometimes I think, oh, 
well, I'm pretty happy now, you know? I, my self-esteem is healthy again. I like myself. I like the path that my life has taken. So maybe I could just drink socially and it would be okay. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's true. But for me, right now, why risk it? Why risk it when I am happy and healthy and doing well? I don't feel like things are missing from my life. Occasionally, marketing or society will try to tell me that's the case. The true fun comes from getting drunk with your friends or that, you know, you can't be flirty and sexy and cool without having a drink first. And that's just not the case. I also, I really, really, really want to say that you do not have to hit a cartoonish, rock bottom to decide you want to make a change or give sobriety a try. You don't have to categorize yourself as an alcoholic or an addict to, to decide you want to be sober. You don't have to do anything in one way. That's the, that's the main, that is my main message. That is, that is going to be the running theme of this podcast. There is not just one way to do something. There is not one way to get to a decision. There is not one right decision for everybody. I truly 100% believe that. Annie Grace, who I have talked about before and I will continue to talk about because I love her and um, This Naked Mind was a huge, huge book in my recovery and a tool that I, I always recommend to other people. And she talks about going alcohol-free for 30 days as an experiment. That way, it doesn't feel like it's forever. It doesn't feel so big and so scary. It's just like, here, try this for a month, see how you feel, and see how it goes. Also, in some situations, when someone's life is in immediate danger, viewing sobriety as an experiment is not an option. So again, there is no one way to get there. We are all different. But I would really, I really encourage sober curiosity. I am naturally an introspective person, probably because I grew up with a father who was a psychology professor and a mom who was a writer. So, you know, just both very in touch with their emotions, questioning why we do what we do, humanity, all that jazz. I like therapy. I like the entire idea of it. A 55-minute show where I am the star. Please sign me up. I was 12 when I went for the first time. I was having my first very serious, you know, depressive bout and suicidal ideation. All those fun things that can happen in sixth grade, you know? Relatable? Is this relatable content? Anyway, I would go to therapy and I was like, great, time to test out my stand-up material. And I really don't know that we got anywhere productive. I would just spend the hour trying to make her laugh or like me, you know. That was my, that was my entire goal for therapy. But yeah, I think if you're curious about sobriety or you are questioning your relationship with alcohol, why not go for it? You, you don't need to tell anyone why you're doing it. Or you can do what I do and tell everyone. I'm obviously the start of podcast and tell the entire world your trauma type. But if you want to try out sobriety and you just want to do those 30 days, no alcohol experiment because you're feeling a little wonky about your alcohol usage, you can tell people whatever you want or you don't have to tell them anything. You know, you could say your energy levels have been low. You want to see if this helps. You're training for a marathon. You want to save money. Whatever it is, you don't have to tell people the full scope of things if you don't want to while you're figuring it out. But... Of course, there's no shame in sharing either. I think there's a lot of power that you can take back from situations when you share them. But also, that's me, who looked at therapy as a 55-minute, you know, the Ari Eastman show. So, you know, we're all different. We're all different with what we're comfortable sharing. And on that note, it's time for... It's something that made me happy this week. It's my pink cloud of sin. Well, I'm thrilled to be able to say your girl is is vaxxed and waxed. Yes, I uh, I have been fully vaccinated for a while now, and I recently just got waxed. 
Uh, now, do, do either of those things really mean much of anything? Am I going to participate in hot girl summer? No, I won't. I'm still going to stay at home. It doesn't matter that I'm fully vaccinated. It doesn't matter that I'm fully vaccinated. I'm not going anywhere. But it just feels fun to say. And on that note, thanks again for tuning in to this week's episode of Sobriety. Uh, leave a rating and review. I've got an email. I've got an Instagram. I've got all the things. Talk to you next week. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye, everyone.